This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Brian Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Matt and Angela Catanella. So as they're passing the buckets here, uh, Matt and Angela have been, they actually went to school uh, with me at, at Rama. And uh, shortly after Rama, they went to Uganda as missionaries. And they have been in Uganda for, I think it's, it's 18 years they've been there. And they've been there ministering, they've been there, uh, their, their primary focus and primary drive is to, to the youth of the country. Because in the country of Uganda and, and, and that area, uh, there's just a, a uh, it's just very, very worldly. There's a lot of pro, uh, promiscuity and all of these things. And so their aim is, is to, to the younger generation because they feel like if they, if they can reach that generation, they can change the culture. They can change the country uh, from this younger generation. So they're gonna be with us on Wednesday night. I'd encourage you guys to come out and listen to uh, what it is that they have to say because I know that... Uh, there's a great work that they're, that they're doing in their lives, and I believe that you will be blessed. I think that we are expanded in our vision and in our, our, uh, what it is that we see and how we see it when we hear from other people, hear from other people and, and the, God, uh, the gift that God's placed on the inside of them. And uh, how many of you guys know, sometimes in our little worlds and in our little bubbles, we're kinda, we kind of live under a rock a little bit, you know? You know what I'm talking about? You know, this morning I was, uh, uh, we, Emily and I, I were talking about our dog and, and how he kind of gets worked up when he gets in the car. And Emily's like, well, you understand, Dad, there's only two places that we ever take the dog. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. You know, we take him to the vet or we take him to get his haircut, right? And so if, if he gets in the car, he starts freaking out. He just doesn't like the car. And it's, be, you know, and Emily's like, it's just because that's all he ever knows. I'm like, yeah, our dog kind of lives, you know, in a bubble under a rock, you know, Ollie. So that's a side note. We just didn't have video announcements, so I had to fill all that time with something. So you're going to want to come out on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Uh, and also the marriage class that, that meets on Wednesday nights, we will not be meeting in that area. We'll be meeting in here to support the ministry uh, that takes place in their lives. And I believe that we'll have a good, good crowd of people that come to support Matt and Angela. Amen. I don't know about you. If I came off the mission field uh, uh, and came back to my home country, I'd want people, friends, supporters, people to support what it was that I was doing right? Amen. So let's sow that seed into their lives. Amen? Amen. Well, hey, how many of you guys, did you guys get your notes? Listen, I mean to tell you, you guys are going to, you're going to have to, you're going to have to, you're going to have to come along with me here a little bit. You guys are kind of, I don't know, what is it the 4th of July? I mean, did you eat too much? What do we got going on here? I mean, I was sitting on the front of that row of the, uh, you know, you're gonna, you, you might think to yourself, his speech is slurred and some things, it's okay, I'm just, I'm, I'm moving fast. You gotta keep up. But man, I'm standing there on the front row during praise and worship, I mean, there are so many things going through my heart, you know, and one of the things that came to me, that's the craziest thing when I'm standing there, uh, this past week, well, it wasn't a past week, it was when we were on vacation up in Okaboji, and uh, I had a birthday during that week, and uh, I, you know, as you get older, as I personally get older, you know, some people, they celebrate those birthdays, they love them, you know, they're all about them, I, and I'm not that way, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not celebrating the fact that I get up, I'm getting older, just not okay with it. So anyway, I, I, I have a tendency to do things that fight against that, that, that st- the steps towards being old, right? So one of those things was uh, I love to water ski. And uh, Emily, my daughter, she loves to water ski. And so I was like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to double slalom ski 
this week. And so uh, I found a, uh, borrowed a ski and she had a ski. I got two ropes and then I got my brother's-in-law's boat because it's got all the horsepower and the ability to pull two people out of the water. And so I'm sitting, this came to me during praise and worship, right? So when you slalom ski, if, you, if you've never done it, you have, to, you have to hold on. I mean, with everything that's within you. Now he's laughing at me because he thinks that I'm getting old and I'm not as strong, but that's not the point. <laughs> the point is, is that when you're, when you're in the water and you're waiting for the boat to go, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta take a couple deep breaths because you're gonna be underwater for a little bit. And you gotta hold on to that, that rope because it, that boat will flat out because they give it all they got because they're trying to pull two people out of the water. And I mean, you gotta hold on with everything that you got because, and sometimes it feels like that, that handle's gonna come out of your hands. It's like, no, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna, why? Because you're, you're I, I don't like lakes either. Like, I don't like my feet in that, that stuff. Anybody in here feel like that? <laughs> and I don't like, I don't like algae either, right? Anybody in here not like algae? So when you're floating in the water and it's kind of got some nasty stuff around you, it's like, you're, uh, it's like this, this is my message, okay? You guys go with me on this. You got that, that nasty stuff floating around you and everything like that, and then you got your daughter over there and she's trying to hold on and balance herself and you just, you just, you just really want to get up and going. That's the point. And, but, but it's amazing because once you get up and going, it's, it's fun, it's enjoyable. And I think, you know, what came to me during praise and worship is, is that sometimes I feel like we're sitting in the water and we're kind of treading water and there's nasty stuff next to us and nasty stuff touching our feet, you know, but that's where we live life. You know, God wants to like pull us up and out of the muck, the mire, the things in our lives that, that we continue to just like wade in, right? And he's like, he, he's got the rope, he's sitting in the boat, He's got the throttle and he's ready to go. And, 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 but we won't, we won't apply ourselves enough to grab, to grab the rope that he has given to us and to just, just take a couple deep breaths and just determine that this is what we're gonna hold on to. You know, and, and just allow him to pull us. And, and listen, I'll admit, the first, we didn't get pulled out the first time. Me and Emily did not, like, I don't know what happened, you know, but we had. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for throwing me under the bus there, babe. Appreciate that. But he comes back around with the boat. He drives between us. We get the rope. And he says, are you ready? And the answer is, yeah, yeah, I'm ready. And he hits the gas, and we, and we, and we got out. And so my point is not the slalom. It's, it's whatever it is that's going on in your life. You know, the, the, are you waiting in unpleasant algae? Do you have nasty stuff touching your feet that you don't like touching your feet? That just, it's annoying and it's aggravating. I'm just saying today, God, God wants to do something in your life. He wants to change what it is that's going on. But man, you, you've got to determine. And so, so I say that to say that it's not, you know, you might think to yourself, those three points are terrible. Well, don't, don't focus on the points. Come to, come to a conclusion in your heart that it's like, Lord, I, I need something from you. You could say it to yourself, Lord, I need this today. 
And you, you know what the Holy Spirit will do? What's so amazing about the Holy Spirit is, is that he will address exactly what it is that you're going through, regardless of the three points that are on the paper in front of you. If you'll just come to that ex- expectation that it's like, that's what I want. That's what I need. I need, and, and I'm coming today expecting. And, and, and it doesn't just stop here or when you walk out that door because Monday's gonna roll around and you're gonna have to just hold on and to, that, to that, that ski rope and say, no, we're gonna keep on going. I'm getting pulled up and out of this stuff and we're gonna continue to move forward, amen? So today I wanna look at Philippians um, because this week um, I was just, I, I ended up in Philippians 4 and just kind of looking at contentment, you know, and just kind of reminding myself about, reminding myself, it's not multiple people of me, there's only one, myself. I was reminding myself about contentment, you know, and, and uh, I got uh, to the end, and if you guys remember, just before I get to that, you remember that, that Paul wrote this, he wrote this book to the Philippian church when he was in prison, right? And this book is really kind of a book about joy, because the world has their uh, view of what happiness is and what joy is, but Paul was really just trying to, he was, he was just exhorting and encouraging the, the church to say, listen, they have their way and their way of doing things. God has his way of doing things, and if you want true joy, true happiness, you need to apply these things to your life. And so he's writing this letter, and, 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 and I was looking at Philippians 4 and, and, and what it is that he says about contentment, and I get to this verse, and it's in verse uh, 9. It says, the things which you learn. Now, this is Paul talking. He's talking to the church, so he's talking to you and me. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me do these things. Think about that. The things that you learned, received, heard, and saw, do these things. Now you're thinking, well, that's not very deep scripture. I know. But, but, but my question was, what are the things that they learned? What are the things that he taught? What are the things that, he, that they heard from Paul? What are the things that they saw in Paul Because he's saying, listen, what it is that you learned, heard, received, and saw in me, do those things. So man, I started, I was like, okay, well let's just go back through the whole book of Philippians. That's why I said we're gonna be here all day at the beginning. And I I, I was joking that we are gonna be here all day. They're bringing pizza a little later and some donuts and cake and Gail is on it right now. We got napkins, you can eat right here in the sanctuary. We're just gonna keep on going all day long. No, I'm not gonna do that to you. I looked at the whole book. I was like, man, there's so much good stuff, so much good content in here about what it is that Paul did. But I said, okay, okay, I can't do that. I can't spend, you know, I can't try to go through four chapters in an hour. Okay, so we're just gonna spend one, a little bit of time on Philippians 1, and we're gonna look at at three things. Now, there's a lot of stuff here. You guys could go home, and you could read through, and I just encourage you to just go through and and, and mark it out and and write it down and see some things. But I just decided I'm gonna just pick three because... They say that people only remember three things that I say. So that's what I'm doing. Okay, so uh, you, what, what you learned, heard, received, and saw and do. So my question to you is, is what are you learning? What are you seeing? What are you receiving? What have you seen? What do you continue to look at? What are you doing? I mean, I mean think to yourself, like, like what are the things that you're learning? 
Are you learning things spiritually? Or like in your, in your walk with Christ, where you're at in life, are you learning anything? Or are you just kind of existing, going to church on Wednesday, going to church on Sunday? I do a devotional two, three times a week. I don't really feel like I'm learning anything. You know, so maybe, maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you are, are, are more, uh, you're learning natural things. You know, you read a lot of books about leadership or you read a lot of books about flowers or, you know, bugs or birds. I don't know, you know, whatever it is that you enjoy spending your time learning about. What are you learning about? You know, what is it? What are the things that you're hearing? Are you hearing things that are positive? Are you hearing things that are a good report, uplifting? Are you listening to things that are edifying? Or are you spending your life around critical people who criticize they're always negative. They always talk down about things and people. You know, is, is that what you spend your time? Do you, do you watch a lot of shows that, that, that don't have a good report? They're not positive. They are very worldly. They're basically filled with just a lot of filth. You know, is that what, you're, is that what you spend your time listening to? Because, because we all are learning. We're all learning. You know, we may not be learning, but we're all looking at something. We're all listening to something. And uh, because here's the thing is, I think it's, it's sequential. When I listen to something enough, I begin to learn something. And then as I begin to learn something, I begin to receive something. It's like Will. I'm, I've been working with him on, on, on a f- catching a football. And you know, when they're little, they don't understand how to catch a football. So it's like I've been talking to him about how to, how to hold his hands, that he has to receive it. Like I, I liken it to an egg. It's like, Will, listen, if I throw an egg at you, how are you gonna catch it? Are you gonna just like, Ugh. well, when, we, when we, we receive stuff, the things that you're listening to, the things that you're looking at, spending, you're receiving that into your person, into your inner being, to you become. I mean, there's people that, that, that know all about fishing. I mean, they can tell you every single lure, all this stuff. Why? Because they've received stuff in them. And, and so we have to look at what it is that that, that, that is in our lives and understand that, that what Paul was talking about was a spiritual matter. What he, he, his emphasis was on spiritual things, spiritual uh, uh, growth. And so, so what are you looking at? What are you receiving? You know, we were joking the other night with Will uh, because I told him to do something and then I went and did something else, right? It's kind of like, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like we're telling our kids, do this, do this, do this, do this. That's what Paul was saying. He's like, listen, what you've seen, heard, and received, do, do that, don't do that. And so we're going to look at some things here because, because look, at, look at what he said here in Philippians 3.17. Earlier in the chapter, he said, uh, in verse 17 of chapter 3, he said, join in following my example. Join in following my example and note those who, who, who so walk and who have us for a pattern. So what was Paul saying? He said, what you see, what you hear, what you, what you saw me do, do that. But then right before that, he said, what? Follow my example. Sometimes, though, I don't know if we like to follow people. Do you guys like to follow people? You know, I don't think we like to follow sometimes. Like, I I was reading a book. Mark uh, uh, Batterson said this in his book, All In. He said, most people in churches think that they are following Jesus, 
But I'm not sure. Uh, he said, they may think that they are following Je- Jesus, but reality is this. They have invited Jesus to follow them. What was he saying? He's basically saying that, you know, believers, they invite Jesus into their heart, but he doesn't become the Lord of their life. He, they want to walk and do live life, and they want Jesus to come along. They want Jesus to supply their need. They want Jesus to, to heal. They want Jesus to do these things, but they're not following him in obedience. And so I think sometimes for us, it's hard to follow. I mean, we, we live in a culture that's filled with leadership principles. There's leadership books, there's leadership podcasts, there's all these things, and I'm all for leadership. We need to have good leadership. But guess what? We are all a follower before we're ever a leader. And so, so the question is, do you wanna follow? Think about what some of the things that Jesus said about following. Remember he said, deny yourself and follow me. He said, sell what you have and, and, and then follow me. He said, if you follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men. I'll make you something. I'll do something in you if you follow me. Another thing Jesus said, he said, if you don't follow, you're not worthy. You know, so we're, we're still talking about things that Jesus said, the importance that Jesus placed on following. Look, listen to what else he said. My sheep, what? Hear and follow. Another thing is, he said, let the dead bury the dead and follow me. I mean, man, he was, he was pretty strict when you, when you think about some of the, the, the things that he talks about in relationship to following. He was, he was like, listen, you need to follow. So if you don't want to follow, you need to know that, that Jesus is all about following. And, and another one I like is, is that if you're following, you're serving. That's what the kingdom's all about, is serving. So whether or not you want to or not, following is so important. Back in Philippians 3.17, it said that to follow my example. And one of the things that I, I wrote below that is, note, note how I walk. So basically Paul is saying, follow my example, and then right after that, if you look at that scripture in 17, note how I walk. Did, did Paul walk with a limp, right? Note how I walk. It's not, we're not copying how Paul walked. We're po- copying how Paul walked in his life, how he, how he operated, what he did. Note how I walk. Another thing, note the pattern of my life. So that's what, that's, that's what we as believers need to be looking at. If, if, if we're not reading the word of God, we don't know how he walked. We don't know the pattern of his life. And, and I can say too that, that you may have known what the pattern was. You may, know, you may have known how to walk, but if you haven't continued to look at the word of God, you begin to forget. Why? Because you're looking and hearing and seeing how other people walk. You're seeing and looking at how other people pattern their life, the, the way they live, the things they do. And, and so what happens is, is as a result, as believers, we pattern our life on other things, other people not upon the word of God. And, that's, and that is really what Paul is saying. He's saying to the people, the church there at Philippi, he's like, listen, I'm not with you, but you remembered how I, how I walked. You knew the pattern of my life. I'm not there to keep you accountable to make sure that you're walking and doing what it is that I called you to do, but man, do it. Follow my example. And, I, and, and what's really cool is, is that even before that in Philippians 2.12, listen what he says. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you right? 
Of course we did. He's with us. He's right there. And now that I am away, it is even more important. So here, Paul, he's not here. But it's more important. What? That we do we do these things. We do what we hear. We do what we see. We do what, what the pattern of the word of God and what Paul said. So I just want to, I want to look at three in, our t- in the time that we have left. And, uh, and I believe that they will bless you. Number one is this. The, one, the first thing that really kind of stuck out to me in that first chapter of Philippians was the work. Philippians 1.6 says that I am certain. Now, this is still Paul. He's still talking to the church. He said, I'm certain that God, who began a good work in you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returned. So what, what did Paul say? What was Paul giving an example of? What was he telling the people at the church? He was saying to them that he, God, began a good work in them. Now, if you are here today and you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, what? He has begun a good work in you. Did you know that? He has begun a good work in you. My question to you, though, is, is, is has he just begun, right? And because we have not allowed him to continue to work, have we stopped allowing him to work? Has he been restricted in his ability to, to continue that work? Look what it says there. It goes on to say in your notes there that Philippians 1.18 says, everything he wants to do in and through me. Paul understood that God wanted to do a work. He began a work in Paul, but not, he didn't just stop there. He wanted to continue to do a work in Paul. Why? So that he could do a work through him. And the same thing is true for you and I as believers is that God began a work in each and every one of us and he wants to continue to do a work in you so that he can get through you to other people that are around you that he wants to begin a good work in. Does that make sense? And so we have to, we have to hold that truth to, to us that he began a work and it goes on to say he continues his work. It's a process. It's a process for each and every one of us. You know, Lauren, she's like totally into art and she, she starts these paintings. And I mean, they're just like, at first it's like she'll, I mean, sometimes I think to myself, it's like, you, you could speed this process up, but she's just kind of slow and kind of methodical. But, but it's just amazing how some, some, some of her paintings she does in an afternoon, some of them she continues to work on continues to work on. She'll work on it for a little while and then she goes and does another thing, another project, and then she comes back to it. And, and, and when she gets done with it, it's just like, it's amazing. And, and my point is, is that, 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 that God wants to do the th- same thing in you and I. He wants to continue to work on us. But, but, but it's, it's, it's two-sided. He, he, he wants to do a, a work, but if we're not submitting ourselves to the work that he wants, that he began to do in us, and that he wants to continue to do in us, he's not going to be able to do that. And so it, it comes down to this understanding that, that, that it's a process, it's a lifelong process. And so my question to you is, is are you allowing him to work in your life? Look at what Philippians 2.12 says. It says, what am I getting at, friends, is, is that you should simply keep on doing what you've been doing from the beginning. When I was living among you, you lived in responsive obedience 
Responsive obedience. That's probably one of the one of the principles that I learned living in the Calstrip household under Joan Calstrip was responsive obedience. I mean to tell you, she'll whoop the fire out of you if you don't respond in obedience. Paul's saying, Paul's telling these people, listen, he's like, listen, I was living with you and you were responsive. So are you responsive? Are you a responsive believer? Are you responsive in obedience to what it is that God's telling you? I mean, I was praying, I'm just gonna be honest with you this week. I, I was praying this week and I was praying about something and I had the audacity, I was, I was a little bit complaining. You guys ever been there before? A little bit, compla- a little bit complaining? So I'm sitting there and I'm praying, I'm complaining, complaining a little bit. And I say this phrase and I mean immediately. He brought back to me, I said, Lord, I, I just don't understand why you, you, you don't speak. And he, immediately he brought this phrase back to me. And I was like, wow, okay, Lord, I apologize. I am sorry. You know, because he had said something to me about this specific thing in my life. And I just did not responsively obey to what it was. And, and he brought that sucker back. But, but, but isn't it so true that we just continue to walk through life and we think, you know, God hasn't spoken, he's not, he's not addressing, he's not working, he's not helping. And the whole time, he, he, he's, he's been saying things, we're just not responding in obedience to what it is that he said. And so we have to do just as Paul said, and, and that is be responsive. And it went on to say, redouble your efforts. I love that. Redouble your efforts. God himself uh, willing and working at what he will give him in pleasure. And that's just a message version. And so the question is, are you allowing him to work? Are you allowing him to change? Are you allowing him to reorganize? Are you allowing him to address? Are you allowing him to correct? Are you allowing him to change? Are you allowing him to delete the thing in your life that needs to be deleted? Are you allowing him to add what needs to be added to your life? Are you allowing? I hope that you are, because he is at work in your life. And you need to know that. And I think sometimes people think, well, he's not at work in my life. No, he is at work. He wants to work. He wants to do it. He yearns to, to bring out his best in you and through you. But it's, 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 a, it's a matter of submitting ourselves to the work, submitting ourselves to what it is that he wants to do. The next question is, is this, are you resisting the work that he is trying? So number one, are you allowing? But number two, are you resisting? You know, because we resist work. Here a few weeks ago in our marriage class, it was such a great comment that stuck out to me. John Petty was talking about marriage and it was, it was simple, and the truth was, he said, I think sometimes people think that it's just, it's just easier to give up and quit than to just put in the work. And, and that's really what, what, what I'm getting at here is, is that we resist the work. Hey, come on, you guys resist work. Do you guys resist work? I mean, when my mom's like, I got a list of chores, I'm like, I'm out of here. Right? We're resisting work. My wife, she has chores for me too. It's like, I'm out of here. I'm gonna go down, go find something to do, wander out in the garage. She comes back in, what are you doing? Nothing, I'm resisting work. (laughs) You guys resist work too. I tell you, we built a house 10 years ago and I just, the doorbell just got finished. Ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. Every one of my kids came up, they're like, hey, our doorbell works. Why? 
because dad resists work. And you guys do too. I know you do. You resist the work. And I think sometimes too that, that we just, there's, there's these issues and these situations, these things that we want to change, but it's gonna require work. And we think that we're gonna just snap our fingers, it's gonna go away. It's not the way it works. It's a process. There's messed up thinking and messed up behaviors and things that you have done. I'm not saying that the initial healing can't take place, that God can't just bring healing to a situation. But there is behaviors and habits that are gonna have to be changed and that requires work. And so, and so you, ha- you can't resist the work. Think about this, guys. Think about the rich young ruler. Remember the rich young ruler? He, he had watched Jesus. He was looking at what Jesus was doing. So he goes to Jesus, and Jesus is like, listen, here's what you gotta do. You gotta sell what you have and come and follow me, right? What did he do? He resisted it. He resisted the work. And, and, and I think that it's like he failed this initial thing, this, this work that Jesus wanted to do in him. And he failed the first, the first test. What if he would have done what it is? Who knows what, how, how his future would have changed. Maybe he would have been in the Bible you know, more places and doing different things and had a different influence in his life because, in, in life because he didn't resist the work that Jesus said, I want you to do this. And, and the same thing is true, I believe, for us, because like James 4, 7 says, so let God work his will in you. You gotta let him do it. You gotta let him do it. And so his work, uh, lastly on this point, his work is, is in you brings completion. Hebrews twenty twenty one says, now may the God of peace who brought you up in the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will. You're created to do his will. You're created to do his will, working in you what he pleases. And so in order to do his will in life, we have to follow, we have to allow, we have to let him do a work in our lives. We have to allow him to change and mold and shape us so that he can continue to work through us. I think sometimes too, we want stuff, we want more. And God's like, it's not that he's withholding it, but he's, he, he's, he, we haven't, like the rich young ruler, we haven't passed the test. And so, so he can't let that come through us because he hasn't been able to do the work in us. Does that make sense? And so the second thing is, is this, when it comes to things that we need to do, is the expectation, the expectation. Uh, Philippians 1.19 says, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. This is still, this is Paul, my deliverance. He's in prison. He's saying, listen, it's gonna come out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of God according to my earnest expectation. Isn't it neat there that it's their prayer, it's the work of God and his expectation. So I wanna focus on his expectation. His expectation, the expectation. Because get this guys, in your notes and up on the screen, expectation determines experience. Your expectation in life determines what you will experience. I'm just gonna let that sit in because 
When, I, when, I, when the Lord dropped that in my heart, I was like, it's so true. What we experience is the direct result of what we expect. If I don't have an expectation for a good marriage, if I don't have an expectation for good kids and well-behaved kids, if I don't expect to have a bright future, if I have no hope that that's the true promises of God for my life, if I, ah, I don't expect that to happen, guess what, it's not gonna happen. If I don't expect healing, even though the word of God promises me healing, if I don't expect it, I'm not gonna experience healing in my life. If you question and, and you doubt and you have unbelief, there is no expectation. And the result is an experience far below what it is that God sent his son to pay for for your life. So expectation absolutely determines your experience. Do you guys remember uh, Jesus in, in Mark 5 that, that uh, he's on his way to Jairus' house to pray for his daughter? I mean, crowds are just, they're just filling in, trying, they're, 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 they're wanting to see this guy, they've heard about him, they wanna see him, you know, and if you remember here in Mark 21, or 521, it said that there was this woman, you remember that? So Jesus got out of the boat again, went to the back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd had gathered around him on the shore. And the leader of the local uh, synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived, and when they saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and said, hey, come and uh, uh, lay your hands on my daughter. Here's the thing that I want, want you guys to see in this. There's crowds. There are crowds. There are crowds of people in our lives. There is the world's crowd, right? That's the crowd that, that we go out each and every day out of this place and we go out into the world and there is a crowd. They're living their life for themselves. They're doing their own thing. They're, li they're not living for God. They don't even know. They're blinded by the enemy of this world. And so there's that crowd. There is a Jesus crowd. Those are the people that that in this crowd, it's like they had heard what was going on, and man, they just wanted to kind of get in, get in on the fray. It's kind of like, how many of you guys in here are like, are you, anybody in here, are you guys uh, uh, concert lovers? Anybody in here love to go to concerts? We've got a few people, and, and, and I, I am not necessarily a concert lover. Now, if I could sit in a suite, have some nice, you know, food in the background, I could just walk up there, and I can avoid the crowds, but, the, but my point is, is that there were crowds of people that they just wanted to get in on the action. They just wanted to be in the mix. They wanted to be in the fray. They wanted to just kind of see something. But then there were the people that were the follower, like we talked about before, and it was, you guys remember this woman, uh, uh, verse 25, a woman in the crowd, She's, a, she's in the crowd, had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from the many doctors over the years. She had spent everything she had to pay for them, but she had not gotten better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She is a part of the crowd. But, but, but what I want you to get is, is that she, she, something was different. There was an expectation in her life that, that, that this guy, what she had heard, seen, believed in her heart, there was something different, and there was an expectation in her heart, and she's like, There's, th th this guy's got what I need. And so what did she do? She, she got, she, uh, um, verse 27, she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe, for she thought in herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. 
She had an expectation. What about the rest of the crowd? Did those people just, like, I just kind of wonder, like, they must have just been there for the, to be in the fray. Could there have been others that, man, they had an expectation and we would have seen other accounts right there in that instance where it's like, I expect him to be healed. I expect it, you know, you know, Jay Iris had it, the woman had it, but the re- what about the rest of the crowd? And so I think for, for, for us as believers, it's like, we can be in the crowd. Man, I'm, a, I'm in the Jesus crowd. But do you have the expectation? That's what I'm getting at. Do you live your life with expectation because your expectation determines what you will experience. You'll either be, you'll either experience, woohoo, you'll see other people getting blessed, you'll see, you'll see it from a distance, but you'll never be the recipient of what it is that he has for you. I want to be the one that's, that is experiencing what this woman did because of what? Her expectation in life. So, We put our expectation in people. We put our expectation in parents. We put our expectation in friends. We put our expectation in things and stuff. And what happens? It fails us. It's just like she did. She she tried. She went everywhere. For 12 years, looking, putting an expectation in a doctor, putting an expectation. And what? She got worse and worse and worse. So we cannot put our expectation in the wrong things. If we live our lives putting our expectation in the wrong things, we are going to be let down. And I don't want to be let down. She acted on what she heard. She fought. Again, man, it's a fight. (laughs) The, The enemy, he doesn't want you to be pulled up out of the muck and the mire. He doesn't want you to be pulled up out of the situation. He doesn't want you to be pulled up out of what it is that you've been dealing with for decades. So he's going to fight tooth and nail to try to get you to just continue to expect what you've always expected. And the result will be experiencing what you've always experienced. But you just have to say, no, I'm going to be like that woman, man. I'm going to be determined that I am going to hold on to what it is that he, he, he instructed me to do. I'm going to listen to what he said. I'm going to, I'm going to walk and do, just as Paul said, I'm going to do the things that he told me to do so that I can be pulled up. I'm going to expect that that's where I'm going. I'm not staying here. So your expectation will be challenged. And number three, well, this is just another point. I don't know if it's in your notes. Pursue and act with expectation. What we do is we need to be pursuing and acting with expectation. And so, um, so number one, the work, the work that Jesus wants to do in us. Number two, the expectation that we carry. And then as we close, Linda, you can go up, um, is this, the conduct, the conduct. Yes, the conduct. Guys, you're gonna love this one. <laughs> Philippians 1.27 says, above all, you must live as citizens, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news of Christ. That can be kind of challenging sometimes, can't it? Your conduct. So is how you live a credit or a discredit to the message of Jesus Christ? Are you gracious? Are you impatient? Are you selfish? Are you selfless? Do you keep your word? Or do you go back on your word? Are you full of integrity? Are you full of dishonesty? Do you follow through? 
or do you flake out? You know, if there's no difference, if, 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 if a non-believer were to look at your life, somebody that's never been saved, doesn't know you, has never met you, doesn't know your story, if they were to look at your life, could they tell a difference between your life and the person next to you that is not saved? Because, because that's what, what Paul is talking about here is, is he's talking about the conduct that it's worthy of what Jesus did. And, and so if in your heart of hearts, you think to yourself, man, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if, if somebody that doesn't know me could be able to tell a difference. They should be able to tell a difference. There shouldn't be, it shouldn't look the same. You shouldn't talk the same as a person that's unbel- uh, not, a, not a believer. You shouldn't live the same way. You shouldn't have the same attitude. You should not carry yourself and, and, and conduct yourself the way that the world carries themselves. Why? Because it is a discredit to the message of Jesus Christ. And, I'm, and, and you know, I know that this can be tough, but man, it's just like we said. Paul said, do these things do these things and 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 as we go through time and as we come closer to the to the coming of the lord i feel like you know i feel like believers are just getting more and more soft it's soft to the point where it's like they they want to criticize and they want to like conduct like think about it in some of the branches of i didn't do an extensive research on this but in some of the branches of the service there is a code of conduct and, and some of you that were in it know what it is. And I mean, if you don't follow the code of conduct, I'm not sure which branch, I, I think there's one that's extremely strict. And it's like, if you don't, if you break any of those rules, you're out. And we don't think anything of it, why? Because it's a standard. And, 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 and so these, these branches of the service are, they have a standard that they live by. And we should too. I mean, all the more, man, the kingdom of God the kingdom of God should have a standard and a code of conduct. And yet Christians and believers are criticizing churches and leadership for what? They're, they're criticizing them because they, they have a code of conduct. They have a, a standard that has been set. It's not my standard. It's not the church. It's not fellowship churches. I mean, you know, it might say fellowship code of conduct, you know, but, but it's, it's the word of God. The conduct comes from the word of God. The conduct comes, it's the example that was set forth by men of old, the greats, Paul, different ones, Jesus, the, the, the standard in the way of living. And, and, and so I say all that to say how we live our lives, how we conduct our lives, if we're allowing him to work in our lives, it's gonna, it's gonna affect our conduct. It's gonna affect how we walk, how we, how we operate. And man, people are gonna be able to tell a difference. Why? Because man, the life of God will be all over you. So when you walk into a place, they'll see, and, and, and that is the level that we need to aspire to walk in, that we are not living our lives in the muck and the mire, waiting for the boat. We're sitting there treading water in algae, but, but that we are moving up. I don't, want, I don't want to live my life and get to heaven and him say, you spent your whole life working on yourself. Now I understand there is that process, but man, I want to move beyond that to where, where 
he's able to go through me and touch and reach and minister and, and reach other people. That's what the church is all about. That's what we as believers should be all about. And you may be thinking to yourself that, that I can't do that. No, you can. You can. You can get better. You can, you can step out. I watched Josh Meyer. We were at a wedding. He was out on a back porch with a kid. And, and, and Josh was, I mean, he was probably looking, but this kid, he experienced something with a dad. And Josh Meyer saw that as an opportunity. And he, all he did was this stepped right up next to this kid who, who had had a bad experience with a dad and he just began to talk to him. Just talk to him. Did he, go, he didn't go straight to Jesus. He just said, hey man, who, what's your name? What are you about? What are you doing? You know, and, and began to just allow this kid to share what was in his life, what was in his heart, what he was dealing with. That's what we need to do, man. I'm telling you what, like I don't want to live my life so narrow focused that, we, that, that, that I don't see the other people that are around me. We can't do that. It's every single one of us, guys. You, we all come into contact with people in, in our daily, daily walk and where we're walking. And I mean, the Holy Spirit's tapping us on the shoulder saying, listen, hey, this person needs some help. Sow a seed, water a seed. You may not get the, the full harvest in that moment, but sow the seed, water the plant. You know, I was talking to the, the, the group this morning that we are co-laborers together with Christ. We're working together with other believers. There's other, other people that have sown and are, are watering and, and doing those things. We need to be in the game. We need to be in the action, allowing him to work through us, amen? So your conduct, your conduct, the work of God in your life, the expectation you have and the conduct that you have, amen? So let's just, let's just pray and uh, we'll close. Father, we come before you. We just thank you, Father, for, for Paul's letter to this church. Because it is a great, great example. It's a great way of living. We need to do what it is that he said to do. And so today, Father God, uh, as we come to a close, Father, I, I thank you that you are helping each and every one of us to commit and consecrate. If there are things that the Holy Spirit has, has been uh, leading us to address and change, Father, I pray that we would actively uh, put in the work and do what it is that needs to be done and allow you to, let, to work in our lives. And Father, if we haven't been living with great expectation in our lives, we're gonna change that. We're gonna begin to expect more of you, expect your power, expect your presence, expect your answer in our life. As we walk, as we live, we're gonna bring up that expectation. And I just pray, Father, that you will help each and every one of us as a church, as a, uh, as a body of believers, Father. I know that the, 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 the tide will rise as we as believers begin to expect more, expect a move. We're not, we're not satisfied, Father, with what it is that's taken place in the past. Just as Paul, we forget the things that are behind. We press on to what is in the future, in our lives and in our families and in this church. We will raise our expectation. And lastly, Father God, we commit to living to honor the King of kings and the Lord of lords in our conduct. And we just thank you, Father God, for helping each and every one of us to walk in this way. With every head bowed, every eye closed, listen, if you, if you are far from God, today is the day. Whether you have walked away from him and you knew him once before, or maybe you don't, uh, don't know him as your Lord and Savior, Today, don't leave this place without making a decision to follow him. Today's the day. 
And so if you're in this house and you are that person and you are far from him, today is the day to get right with him. Say, Brian, with an uplifted hand, there's nobody else looking, it's just you and me. Just, just raise up your hand and say, that's me. Anybody in here? Anybody at all? Anybody at all? All right. Well, listen, Father, we just thank you. That, Father, that in the days to come, this house, as we, as we conduct as we walk, as you work through us, Father, that this house, we call this house full, full of people, full of people, Father God, that, that are wanting and needing a relationship with you. We expect that. Just as Paul told us, we have an earnest expectation that as we do the work and as you work through us, Father God, this place will be filled. Our altars will be filled. Our altar calls will be full in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Father, for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, lastly, just to close, we're not singing a song on the last one because I like to mix things up. I don't like anybody in here thinking that they, they got it all figured out because you don't. <laughs> but listen, I'm serious. I'm serious about that. I was joking about that. I'm serious about this. If you've got a prayer request in your life, we have a group of people and they want to pray with you. These people pray. They pray during the week. They pray at church on Sunday mornings. They pray on Wednesday nights. They want to pray with you. And so if you want something that agreement with something. You should come down here after service, seek them out, find them out. They will pray with you and what it is that you are believing for will be answered. They're there for you. We're family. You don't need to be ashamed of anything that's going on in your life. Man, it's, it's, we need to be honest and open, man. We're, we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. We love one another. We want the best for one another. And so they, they want that and they want to agree with you. Amen? Amen. Well, hey, it's been an awesome day. I hope you guys got something out of this. I hope that you guys were challenged in your thinking. I hope that I didn't offend you. But I love you guys. I want the best for you. So, you guys are free to go. Stand up. Join us Sunday, uh, Wednesday night at 7 p.m. with Matt and Angela. You will be blessed. It will be a, a great time of worship and in the presence of God. You guys are free to go. Have a great afternoon. And we will see you Wednesday night at 7 p.m.